This podcast is brought to you by Blackbee Ministries International. To find out more, visit blackbee.org. Well, welcome to the Richard Blackaby Leadership Podcast once again. And uh, you know, those of you who listen to this regularly, that I love doing interviews with uh, interesting people. And you probably remember just a week or so ago, we had uh, an interesting person in my son, Daniel Blackaby, that uh, we had on for this podcast. And uh, because of popular demand, we're having my older son, Mike Blackaby, with us today. He is... uh, a pastor. He's got a PhD in apologetics. He's ministering in Victoria, British Columbia, Canada, and uh, has provided me half of my grandchildren, four grandchildren. Uh, he's, a, As I said, he's a church planter, and they do whatever they have to to fill those pews up. And so his family takes up a good portion of the auditorium at this point. But Mike, welcome to uh, the Leadership Podcast. Yeah, well, thank you for having me. Excited to uh, be part of it. And I've got Mike on here for several reasons, because uh, he's a thinker, a reader, he's a, a, a great church planter, and, uh, and so I want to just uh, pick his brain on several different issues uh, today, but, uh, but first, Mike, maybe just tell us a little bit about exactly what you're doing. I've, I said you're a church planter, but tell us how you're doing that and, and where you're doing that. Yeah, well, in 2018, um, we moved from where you guys are, uh, just outside of Atlanta, Georgia, all the way to um, the northwest coast of of Canada on Vancouver Island <clears throat> to uh, plant a church. We haven't quite forgiven you for that yet, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was a it was a big change for us, and uh, and so we we moved here to plant a church, and actually, uh, at the end of this month will be our three year anniversary as a church um, from our when we launched our weekly Sunday gatherings. And so wow. uh, we've been here for, for four years, but um, our church is gonna about to celebrate its three-year anniversary. So wow. So you've been going about a year as officially meeting when COVID hit. Yeah, I was thinking um, more than half of our church's life has been in a pandemic, which of course uh, provides a special set of difficulties in trying to plant a church, which is already hard enough as it is. And then you throw a pandemic in there, and it makes it very interesting. And tell tell us a little bit just about the demographic. Who are, who are these people there in Victoria that you're trying to reach? Yeah, well, Victoria is, um, they say, the most British city in Canada. And then we live in the most British part of that city. Hmm. And so in a lot of ways, it's, it's very, it's almost more like planting a church in Europe than it is like planting a church in America. Hmm. And so, uh, and so this, the part of town that we're in that we're trying to reach is, uh, is you hear a lot of, uh, a lot of English accents and, uh, and most of the people who have moved here from outside of the country have actually come from from uh, Europe or England or that that sort of area, and so um, and so it's a, it's a really interesting uh, place to to plant. Very spiritually minded in some ways. Um, uh, so it's you have a lot of atheists, but also um, you have a lot of just um, kind of new age spirituality and, and stuff mm. here. And so there's not a whole lot of Christian uh, memory. And so in some mm. ways, a lot of the people we're talking to and trying to reach uh, are very unfamiliar <laughs> with yeah. uh, with the Bible or, just, or church or any of that. And demographically, just, I mean, it, as I understand it, it is one of the least church attending demographics in all of North America, doesn't it? Yeah, it really is. 
um for sure and then uh and also the the part of town we're in is fairly wealthy part of town it's expensive to live in victoria anyways but the part of town that we're in is an older part of town it's very well established so they're not building a whole lot of new buildings or anything and so you've got a lot of uh people who have been here for generations and uh and they're they're fairly well off and so there's just a there's a whole set of um interesting dynamics um in our specific context that we're trying to reach. So when you left uh, Atlanta, where your your loving parents and siblings all lived, <laughs> you, you had to pick one of the hardest places in North America to try and start a church. So that's I, I said you were smart earlier in the introduction, but um, we'll leave that to our <laughs> listeners. To, yeah, uh, I guess yeah. it's all relative. Uh, yeah, it, it's uh, interesting. When Mike first told us he was moving to that part of Canada, 2,800 miles away from where he lived, he was on staff at a great church. Both his siblings, his parents, his grandparents, his uncle and aunt all all went to that church. Uh, and he went to one of the most difficult demographics uh, to start a church that you could find in North America. But but uh, one of the things he had said to us was, well, I, he remembered the stories of Grandpa Henry uh, leaving a good church in the States, moving to Canada. And he was uh, about four years old when I left uh, the states, moved to Canada to start uh, to planet or to pastor a church, and uh, so this was his generation to do the same thing. So uh, we'll we'll leave uh, links to his website in the show notes and uh, encourage you if you have a, a burden for Canada, the work up there. Uh, Mike, as a church planner, could certainly use all the prayers uh, that uh, he could get, and so love for you just to to partner with him and uh, follow what he does. But Mike, there's uh, you've so two thirds of your church's life so far as a regular meeting church has been through COVID, and uh, and I'm getting all over the country here talking to pastors that are coming out, hopefully the other side of COVID now. And I'll tell you what, there's they faced a lot of stuff that they never faced before, a lot of frustrations, a lot of uh, limitations and rules and regulations that were changing all the time, and. Uh, it's worn a lot of pastors out. And so I know there's a lot of pastors and church leaders uh, that listen to this podcast. And uh, I want to get some from a pastor's perspective. Uh, and you were pastoring in Canada, which had even tighter rules than in the U.S. Uh, tell us some of just from, from the pulpit uh, perspective, if you will, uh, from the pastor's perspective. Uh, what were some of the challenges that you faced? Um, and I mean, you're, as a church planner, you're you face a whole bucket load of challenges just normally, but throw COVID in on top of that. And then how did that complicate your leadership of your church? Yeah, well, I, I think a lot of the challenges we faced are probably similar to what pastors ac- across North America and really across the world have had to face of um, this this pandemic that just sort of charged in and uh, and just changed everything for us. And so even even the simple basics of meeting together uh when when that becomes difficult to do and and we've had to try and adapt like everybody else to a various different contexts of that and so for a while we were meeting uh fully online we would pre-record our services and stream them out on sunday nights and uh then for a while we could um we could meet, but with limited numbers, and so we uh, had to spread the chairs out, and we could we could only meet uh, no more than fifty people. So for a while, we would do one in person meeting a month, and the rest would be online, and uh, and then we would 
meet every week in person, but all all spread out in less than 50. And and so we've sort of done every, every version of that. And uh, there were times where we could we could gather some people outside. And so we would do smaller groups outside in our backyard. And um, of course, we don't have a, a church building. And so the building that we rent is a recreation center. So a lot of the rules um, that we had to abide by were were rules that they were um, setting as a community center, even though there was a lot of leeway as well. Um, for us as a church, we we uh, were able to do some things that uh, we that the rec center wasn't able to do as a rec center that we could do as a church. And so mm-hmm. we tried to count our blessings with that. But, but it's tough when you've only been a church for about a year. And you're like, how do I, uh, we're, we're new, we're fresh. Uh, how do we lead these people that we've only been walking with for about a year th- through this? And, uh, and then of course, as a church planter, you're always, you're always, uh, your heart is for reaching new people. <clears throat> well, all of a sudden, all of our big outreach events can't happen anymore. We can't draw crowds. We can't go and do big community events, um, which which typically we we had done the last two summers. And and so is this big question of uh, how do we walk forward with the people that we have gathered, and then how do we reach out to those that we uh, that we still haven't connected with yet? And uh, and it, in a lot of ways, it really made us refocus on what are we doing. Like who are we, and uh, and for us that that took the form of uh, of just really coming back to our calling. Mm-hmm. You know, Jesus called us to go make disciples, and so we're not here to plant a worship service. We're here to to make disciples, and hopefully those disciples gather together and worship and form form a church. But uh, but in in some ways, it made us make sure that we didn't put the cart in front of the horse. Hmm. And uh, and so when all those things are stripped away and all of a sudden, okay, what if we can't gather and if we can't do these big outreach events and if we can't do this and can't do that, what can we do? What do we have? Like, well, we can can teach online. We, we still have scripture. We can pray. Uh, we can still reach our neighbors in one-on-one creative ways to, to go out and fulfill the Great Commission. And and so in some ways, it really simplified everything for us. And mm. uh, because we were a new church, we didn't have a ton of programs and stuff to have to shut down. And so I know a lot of churches ended up having to shut down a lot of what they were doing. And we had our own version of that. But in, in other ways, it actually has helped to really shape our culture early on. And that's mm. one of the advantages you have as a church plant is you're creating your culture. It, it doesn't have 10 or 20 or 50 years of culture already created. You're sort of setting setting that uh, at the beginning. Mm. And so we've really had to uh, had to navigate through and just come back to the basics of who are we? What are we trying to do? Well, you know, two things. I, I'm, I'm going to get into the discipleship part. Um, but, uh, you know, I've, I've always been very impressed with, uh, before COVID, how creative your church was about getting into the community. And I'll tell you what, I see so many churches that basically it's the paradigm of here's our building. We put out a sign, visitors welcome, and then we wait to see if anyone will come visit us. But but you, uh, partly because you didn't have a building, uh, you're, you as a church consciously tried to cultivate a culture that said, we want to be in the community. We're not trying to get the community to come into our building. We're trying to get the people, the church people in the community. And you did a lot of really, I think, a lot of really cool things uh, to do that. Can you maybe give us an example or two of just, but pre-COVID at least, some ways, I mean, you were the, 
you, I mean, when you got there, you were the newest church in the entire city. Uh, you had the fewest people, and yet uh, you you very quickly became ingrained into the 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 city city uh, the city uh, center and the the leadership. They they kind of knew who you were. And how how did you go about doing that? Yeah, well, we really wanted to become known as the community church, and so uh, and it's funny because um, one of the people who who really organizes a lot of the uh, of community events and things that we ended up partnering with. Every time she she mentioned our church in a newsletter or something, she always called us Canvas Community Church, hmm. which isn't really our official name. Our name is Canvas Church Oak Bay, Oak Bay being the the part of the city we're in. But I kind of like that. And she always she called us Canvas Community Church and and I was like, you know, that's sort of what we're going for. And hmm. so uh there's a few other churches in our uh, part of town, uh, hardly any, but there's a few. But what we noticed is that every time the community came together to do a big community thing, we never really saw any of the churches as part of that. And didn't mean that these churches weren't doing things and having programs and even that they weren't doing some good things. But we just they were never visible as part of the community. It was always this sense of the church is doing this thing come join the church in doing this thing. And we were like, what if, you know, partly because, yeah, we didn't have a building or anything. Uh, but we were like, what if, what if we went to them? Because, because the truth is, is that nobody in our part of town is buying what we're selling. If you yeah. want to put it in those terms, like, you know, so it's like we could have the best worship service on the planet, but if nobody here is interested in worshiping, uh, Jesus, then it doesn't matter. You know, we're, we're putting on something really incredible for, for what there's no, we're, we're giving a lot of uh, supply to not a lot of demand. Huh. And so we were like, how do, but how do we connect with people? Because as we connect with people um, in the, in the context of relationship, that's when this discipleship can happen. And, um, and so, and so we took two approaches. One was we are going to try and do things that, um, connect us to our neighbors. So how are we supposed to love our neighbors if we don't know our neighbors? And so there's a personal aspect of that, of just the people in your neighborhood or whatever. But as a church family, we were like, how do we as a church connect to our neighbors in the community? And so we would do, we did some big, um, outreach things. The last last one we did was this big family fest. We rented out the, the most popular park in, in our city and it was all free and we had bouncy houses and a food truck and games and all that kind of stuff. Had about 600 people uh, show up to that, which was incredible. And uh, every time we did something like that, we made sure it didn't conflict with something else that the community was doing. We didn't want to give them an option of choosing us over the community. We wanted to, to fill in the spaces where there were spaces. And then the other thing we try to do is we ask ourselves, what's the community doing that we can get on board with? Mm-hmm. And so, uh, and so like the Easter egg hunt they did every year, we were like, well, why would we try to do our own Easter event and, and call people to come to that instead of the community event when we could do our Easter event the weekend before Easter uh, where there's nothing going on. And then as a church, it frees us up to go and join their Easter event. And I remember we did that and we just served. And I, I was just one of the greeters. And uh, the local news station was like, hey, can we film you and put it online? Like you welcoming people to this event. And I end up becoming sort of the spokesperson for this community event. And 
And then the next year they said, hey, you guys did such a great job helping us. Would you be on board with planning it this time and have more of a hand in that? And we built this relationship and that's right when COVID hit. So unfortunately we didn't get to do that yet, Hmm. but uh, those sorts of things. And so we had this balance of providing our own uh, things for the community, but then also seeing what's the community doing that we can partner with them. And uh, we actually met... um, my my son oldest son is in grade one and we he has this uh new friend in his class and we had uh, her family over for a play date and uh, we were talking to them and it turns out they asked us what church we were i was pastor of and we told them and they said did you guys do an event in the park like three years ago and they said we were actually at that event and so we sort of become have become known as a, as a church that's in the community mm. and and so that's sort of been our approach. Of course, COVID threw a lot of that out the window when you can't really do that sort of thing anymore. And so we've had to adapt and shift a little bit along yeah. the way. What I know, like whoever is in charge of a lot of those community events, now they would, before COVID at least, they would just call you up and say, we need volunteers to do crowd control or run this booth or whatever, and collect uh, donations for food and so on. And you just became the go-to church and you were probably the newest one in the city. So Um, And we still are, which is interesting because actually as things have slowly started to open up, um, that these community organizers that we hadn't heard from in two years while everything was sort of dormant, all of a sudden they're calling us back up. Hey, are you guys still around? Are you still available to uh, to come and help and volunteer? And my philosophy was always to say yes and then worry about actually getting the volunteers <laughs> later. And so yeah. I'd always say, we'd love to do that. And then I'd be on a mission to try and recruit people. Uh, and I, you know, I just love that model of instead of trying to figure out how do we get the community into our building let's get the people out of our building into the community and uh and uh, it's often been said you know if your church were to shut down today would anybody in the community miss you or feel like somehow the neighborhood uh was lacking now because that church wasn't there to do what it used to do and uh i think you've got a great model for that but but i want to circle back around with the discipleship for a minute because um you um you know after covid hit people have said that uh I mean, we may be like, uh, on average, 20 to 30% of attendance that's not coming back. Uh, it varies from church to church, but a lot of pastors are, are still seeing a bunch of people that have not returned since COVID hit. And now they're starting to suspect they may never come back. And so that's saying a lot to pastors about the fact that, uh, you know, they, they worked really hard to get people in the building, fill up the pews uh, on Sundays, and they thought to themselves, uh, well, we're, we're really successful. Look at, uh, there's more people in the building this week than there was last week. But then a, a pandemic hits, and it was appalling to a lot of pastors how quickly a lot of those people scattered. A lot of the attitudes that they expressed were certainly not very Christian or mature. And all of a sudden you realize we've we put warm bodies in a lot of these seats, but it's appalling how spiritually immature they are and how quickly they just jettison everything that we've done for them and taught them and and they disappear and uh, i know for some pastors they're saying as we go back post-covid are we gonna just go back to the same model having the same goals or do we have different goals now and you've kind of touched on that but like your what are your goals now as a as a church as a leader 
Yeah, we certainly felt the impact of um, of the pandemic. And, you know, probably the last year and a half has been the hardest uh, of my ministry experience. You know, just the heartbreak of um, investing so much time uh, and energy into people. And then, you know, as every church has had to do, we've had to come up with our COVID policies and how are we going to navigate this? And, you know, and then we would have people sort of on both ends of the spectrum say, uh, we're out. We, we don't uh, agree with the way you're approaching this. And so we're gone. And it's amazing how you can make one policy that can be interpreted so differently between two different sets of people. And so just the pain of that, yeah. you know, the, the annoying, people that you and, invested and, in. And knowing that you had ministered in many ways to those people and been there for them and reached out to them, fed them, had them in your home, and then one policy uh, about a mask or a vaccination or something, and they, they walk out the door. It's like all that investment, it sure didn't take very much for them to decide that's that doesn't matter, I'm leaving. Oh yeah, and I'm sure I'm sure pastors across the country have just have similar stories, and, and we try not to really, you know, be bitter about that or hold that against people. Like everybody's had to navigate this their own way. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's been very disappointing, in a lot of ways, to say like that's the that's the the hill you want to die on. Like that's the issue that's going to make you break fellowship with your church family. Um, that's not something that you feel like you can continue to to you know walk through with your church family. Instead, you're going to cut ties and go find somewhere that better suits um, your approach. And and I, I don't think it's all ill-intentioned. I, I think people in some ways are, are trying to follow their conscience. And if they feel the church is not really in line with, with their deep feelings on that. Um, but, but for us, we've had to ask ourselves, so like, what's our, what's our calling? And if our if our calling is to just try to get as many people into our church services as possible, then then that's going to really change the way that we approach reaching people. But I don't see that as our as our calling. Um, and I think consumerism. I can't speak for churches across the country, but but I, from what I've seen, I think consumerism is a very dangerous and tempting uh, threat to a church. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and if you make consumers, you got to, you got to keep providing product for them to consume. And if you don't, they're going to go somewhere else to find it. And, uh, we take that attitude into so many areas of our lives. Why would we think that we're not tempted to also take that attitude into our church and into our faith? Mm-hmm. And so, uh, what we've been looking at though, is you know, Jesus called us to make disciples. That's the calling. Uh, And it's not a calling just for pastors to do that or church staff to do that. Like Jesus called uh, people to be disciples and to make disciples. And so what we've been trying to do is, is try to change the culture of don't see church as a place that you come to consume spiritual product given to you by your spiritual uh, pastoral suppliers. Um, But, but come together and be equipped and challenged and built up to actually go out and and fulfill your calling. And so uh, it's not just pastors who've been called to make disciples. It's every disciple has been called to make disciples. And so we've been asking ourselves, uh, how how do we do that? And and then if we're going to measure our success as far as the mission of Christ, then our the, the measure of success isn't necessarily can we fill a room with people? Because like you said, you can fill a room with people who aren't necessarily disciples. And so, uh, uh, so are you making disciples? And, um, 
that's what we've been trying to do. And, uh, you know, it, it's almost uh, saying, hey, let's let's make disciples and then they will want to gather together and worship. And that will be reflected eventually, probably in our worship services. But uh, but it starts with making disciples. It doesn't start with let's make a worship service and hope that it grows um, disciples somehow, even though it should it should contribute towards that. Uh, your worship services should uh, build up disciples. Uh, but what we've tried to do is um, is equip and encourage each individual person to say, this is your calling. And so how do we help you to fulfill your calling? And most of that calling is going to take place outside of the walls of this worship service. Yeah. You know, we gather together to worship for an hour a week, but but you can't make disciples with just one hour of investment a week. Yeah. It takes way more than that. And most of that happens, especially in our context where people don't want to come to a worship service, but they, and, and I meet with my neighbor every other week or so at a coffee shop across the street. And he told me, I haven't been to church in 25 years and I don't plan on going. Like I'm, <laughs> I, I'm fully aware and okay with the idea that I might be going to hell. Like, I mean, he's just very, very against it. He's not going to come to our service, no matter how awesome our service is, but he will go to the coffee shop. And for two hours, myself and another member of our church, uh, a retired pastor, talk with him about the deep things of Scripture. And he asks questions and we listen to his thoughts and and we're discipling this guy. And, uh, and it's totally outside of the walls of our church service. Now, he's not in our church services. So if you're measuring success by counting people in your service, he wouldn't count towards that. But if you measure your success by, are we going out there trying to fulfill the Great Commission by making disciples? We're in the process of of trying to make a disciple. And, you know, something uh, and so that, that changes the Something I've, I've noticed is, uh, and it's not wrong, but uh, like this focus on worship has been so big in recent uh, days in the church, and especially I think younger uh, Christians love to worship and love the music, love the gathering and so on. And that's great. But, uh, you know, you can go in and just in, in a worship service, enjoy the music, enjoy the sermon, and then you leave the building and you don't do a thing all week long with what you heard. You don't reach out to anybody. You don't disciple anyone else. You it, That's not necessarily all there is to discipleship, just attending a worship uh, experience. And and so I think what I've seen happen over COVID is that churches that were quarantined and shut down for personal gatherings, they came up with really good live streams. And you you have a good live stream that we that I watch most every Sunday night, and uh, uh, and it's great, and you can watch it anywhere. Uh, and in a lot of ways, the sound is great, the lighting is great, um, and you can watch it in your pajamas if you want to. You can get into bed with your laptop and watch watch church. But um, and and so I. When when a lot of people weren't returning to church, I remember I, I posted something on social media about how important it was to gather with your church family, and and I was struck by some of the people that, that pushed back and said, I get everything that I need watching online, and I, I get everything, and they said, they listed several big name preachers they listen to every week, and what struck me was they didn't talk at all about what they gave, what they did is just it was all about receiving. I can sit here and tune in and catch three different sermons from some of my favorite preachers and never leave my living room. And I, I just wonder if we have somehow confused people about what it even means to be church, where they think yeah. that they're being church simply by watching a service on, sitting on their couch. 
and it's a it's a very distorted understanding of what church even is supposed to be. What's that consumer attitude that says church is just something that I take in, but not something I contribute to? And uh, and there's other ways of even doing that. Even when you are meeting together, you can kind of consider if I help in some way, if I volunteer in some way, then I'm then I'm being part of this. Well, your calling is to make disciples. And so it's good if you're involved and you volunteer at your church and you run the sound or whatever else it is that you're doing. But that's not a substitute for going out there and making disciples for the Great Commission. And so what's interesting is when when churches all went online, all of a sudden, all these people who thought that they were being part of the mission by by serving at the church service couldn't serve at the church service anymore. And, uh, and it almost revealed to them, so what am I doing? It, is my only involvement in the mission of God my, my once a month volunteering position at our church service? And it still puts everything on the church service instead of saying, hey, like, COVID should be able to shut down our, our weekly gatherings and not at all hinder the Great Commission, because that's taking place all during the week, because that's each of our callings. And I think a lot of people, they, they could sort of pat themselves on the back by saying, I stack chairs on on Sundays at church, and so I'm a, a part of this. And and that's part of it, but that's not that's not all of it. And so, uh, yeah, I think I think there's so many ways that we can become consumers and and take the burden off of ourselves of what Jesus called us to do, which is to make disciples. And uh, you can be creative about how you make disciples. There's not one one size fits all. But when you look at the Church of Acts, the church wasn't just about showing up to hear the apostles teaching. That was one of the things that they did. But there was a whole lot more to it than just and so. Yeah, how how can you live out being a disciple and being part of the church if all you do is consume a sermon online? Um, yeah. It sort yeah. of turns church into Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> well, Mike, I knew that we'd run out of time. I wanted to talk to you about Canada and just how that's uh, maybe unique and some of the challenges you face. And uh, I know there's a whole lot more just about uh, pastoring in this post-COVID world and how to make sense of it. And, uh, and you know, I, I think like in any crisis, I think a good leader looks at, at what uh, happens in a crisis and learns from it and says, hey, we can go out of this better, stronger, more focused than the way we went into this. And it's, it certainly sounds like you're doing that and, uh, and learning and growing from it. And so we're, we definitely want to have you back and just talk more. I love just getting a pastor's perspective that's on the front lines right now in a hard place, uh, trying to reach a, a, a pretty hard to reach uh, demographic. And so really appreciate you taking time. Mike's also just says has, uh, has a PhD in apologetics and wrote an actually a very interesting dissertation on Sam Harris, one of the leading atheists of our day. And uh, we really need to kind of unpack some of that too. And at least find someone get some kind of benefit out of that expensive dissertation that you wrote and uh, <laughs> that degree that you earned. But, but we'll, we'll definitely have to have you back and talk some more about uh, a lot of those things. So thanks for jumping on your dad's uh, podcast today and uh, kind of yeah, upgrading the whole experience. Again. <laughs> well, yeah, well, there's, uh, there's, yeah, lots to talk about just uh, current events and things going on in Canada and would love to come on again and uh, chat through some of that. So uh, we'll plan on that, and uh, we'll leave uh, links to uh, his church in the show notes. And again, just 
pray for him. If you're in that area, drop in, uh, send a mission team up there, help him out. He's got, four, he's got to help uh, have a church that can provide for my four grandchildren and clothe and feed them. So he appreciate the help. So thanks, Mike. And uh, we'll look forward to talking to you again soon. Thank you. Looking forward to it. Thanks for listening to the podcast. If this is something you enjoyed, it really makes a difference if you leave a review and a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Don't forget to subscribe and share with your friends. We always love hearing from our listeners. So email us at podcast at blackv.org.